Hello, and welcome to another episode of Echopunks, recorded live in front of an automated audience. We're a group of misfits, smart people, curious folks who quite frankly want to figure out what's going on with our society and the internet in particular. Today, we're particularly pleased, blessed, uh, gifted uh, to be joined by a couple of guests who are new to the Echo Punks. And in particular, we're talking about a paper which was co-authored by our guest Jacques Latour and put out by CIRA, the Canadian Internet Registration authority that talks about the emergence of a trust layer on the internet. And a regular Echopunk listeners know that we're very much interested in the issue of trust and the role that trust can and should play in a democratic society, in a healthy internet-based society. So uh, previous to this, we've circulated the paper uh, amongst our Echopunks uh, on our newsle uh, newsletter and on our website. Uh, many of us have taken the time to read it, but on the assumption that there are people listening now uh, who have not read it or have not, this is the first time that they're hearing of the paper, uh, uh, Jacques, perhaps you could start us off by, you know, kind of giving us your own uh, uh, executive summary, uh, both in terms of uh, uh, what the paper argues or what it tries to look at, but in particular, why you co-authored it. What, what was it about this subject that motivated you to, you know, write it, share your ideas, and, and why you think trust is such a, an essential part of the internet infrastructure uh, as we know it? Hey, thanks. Really happy to uh, be here. Um, I guess the CIRA's main objective is to build a trusted internet for Canadians and for everybody, as a matter of fact. And that, that goes a long way. Um, if, we start, if we look at the internet back in the early days, you know, back in the 70s, the internet was built with TCP IP. We all know we're still running TCP IP 50 years later. Um, back then, the, over, the design criteria was to build, you know, make something work with four bit processors or eight bit processors. Resources were, were constrained. TCP IP was not security by design and trust was not security by design as well. So they today, fast forward 50 years later, we were we have billions of users running on an internet where the core protocol doesn't have trust built in. It it's it's meant to communicate from point A to point B. And I got involved with digital trust, uh, with trust over IP, with their role, with the Canadian digital uh, identity, digital credential community about three years ago um, when I first learned about trust over IP as an initiative. And I really got engaged and I have a vision probably now better than uh, three years ago on what a trusted internet could be and all the work we need to go there. So I'm part of a team. We collaborate in trying to bring toward a vision um, of what a trusted internet is because it doesn't exist today. You know, um, there's a lot of gaps in the report highlights gaps and potential solutions and 
I think most important, it, it brings a light at the end of the tunnel where maybe one day we can have a trusted internet. I see it, but there's a lot of work to get there. Well, and, and there were a couple of phrases that, that you use that I, I want to tease out in a moment, the kind of trust by design or privacy by design, security by design, which are, are, are kind of innovations that have happened after the Internet. These are sort of we've realized in hindsight that we need these approaches. But before we unpack that, one, one of the questions we often ask here on the Echopunks as, as a kind of philosopher, a, a deep philo philosophical dive is what does trust mean to you? Right. Just just so that we understand that we're on the same page, because what we've found is different people have different perceptions of trust or even different definitions of trust. So I'm curious, both in a, a technical sense, but but also in a kind of philosophical sense. How do you see trust? Like, what does trust mean to you, both in an abstract sense, but also technically in terms of the role that it could play on the Internet? Absolutely. To me. If you would have asked me that question three years ago, I would have said trust is encrypting everything end-to-end -end encryption. Uh, today, uh, trust means human trust. I, me, Jacques, when I connect to a resource on the internet, I know for a fact that I can trust the interaction. So the trust interaction between me and the thing I'm interacting with, I can trust it as a human. And today, that's what it means. People need to trust the things they connect to. Um, technically, tons of stuff have to happen uh, at all layers of the internet. But trust is, I'm as a human, I trust with the thing I'm connecting to. And that's, you know, there's a lot of work to get there. But that I think that's the end of the end, the, the light at the end of the tunnel is human trust with interacting with internet resources. Well, and, and as a kind of follow-up to that, do you, in the context of artificial intelligence, in, in the context of, say, the explosion of generated media that we're now seeing, do you mean human trust in the sense of kind of understanding the human on the other side of the screen, like the human who produced that content or the human offering the services or offering the relationship? Can you unpack a little what you mean by human trust? Because I assume it's like how we humans trust, but do you also mean how we connect with humans on the other side of the internet and whether there is something that allows us to trust each other? Is that sort of what you're implying there? Yeah. So if we look at the, the well, this is really what, what's in scope of the trust over IP uh, framework is you have a technical stack, you have a governance stack, there's multiple layers, but somewhere in there, there's human-to-human -human interaction, and you need to have a human trust that the other person is indeed who you want to talk to. And how do we get there? Um, fake media, deep fake, all of that, it's only going to get better exponentially. So using your eyes to trust what you see on the screen it's not good enough anymore. You, you can't have, you can't use that. That's not the, the barrier. So there needs to be a different way to ensure that the, the thing you see on the screen, on your mobile, and your, your, it doesn't matter where, it you can trust it. And so you need to unpack that and figure out what are all the components in play um, to do this. 
Well, and and again, I, I want to come back to what you sort of evoked as the kind of coalition building that is necessary to, to build this kind of infrastructure, right? You've got researchers, you've got governments, you've got corporations, you've got, you know, individual users on the internet. And a, a few episodes ago, we, we sort of looked into the Edelman Trust Barometer, which is the Edelman public relations firm does this huge year after year measurement of public trust. And one of the things that they've shown is, for example, governments and politicians are decreasing in the level of trust that the public has in them. Similarly, corporations, ironically, are increasing in the level of trust that people place in them. Are you... In, in anticipating kind of a technical trust infrastructure, are you anticipating the dynamism of trust? That trust kind of ebbs and flows. Like it's not, we trust the government of Canada because they're the government. There are a lot of Canadians who don't trust the government of Canada precisely because it's the government. How do you translate that or factor that in into a technical system when our feelings about trust may change day to day or even hour to hour. Yeah, so there's digital ecosystems that you have to work within and you have trust. When you say the government, it, it's broad, right? It's everything. It's the institution. Uh, online, the government has what? They, they have website, they have API to access services. Um, now they're starting to issue credentials. Some of the provincial government are issuing credential. Um, some of them are digital credential. And But how do you know that, how do you trust those credentials? Uh, they can be signed, uh, but they also can be faked and all that. Mm -hmm. So part of the report, we talk about trust registries. It's a new thing. There's the digital ecosystem where you got people that can issue digital credentials. I put my hand in the right place. So you can issue digital credential. There's wallet holders where you can store the credential inside. And then there's third relying parties or verifier. You know, if you present your credential to someone, they need to verify those. And then at the bottom, there's a thing that evolved in the last two years to become uh, trust registries. And trust registries are uh, a technical component. It's a registry of things inside an ecosystem that are digital, that can be verified. The authenticity can be verified. And there's a governance model for that trust registry. And that's where it's important. So if you have a uh, university digital ecosystem, um, there's an association of all the universities in Canada, and they have a list of which universities can issue uh, diplomas and certificates. That's a trust registry. There's a governance model. It's the Association of University in Canada. I'll keep it simple. They, they, they run a registry. They have the list. They have a process to vet university. And then in our, if I trust them to be uh, the source, the authoritative source or the trusted source in Canada for universities, then I can trust the interaction I have with that. So that's a human trust. Mm -hmm. just, mm -hmm. That's a very small example. But I can trust as a human that the certificate in front of me is authentic or not based on that trust registry. And 
I mean, uh, this is where I'll, I'll take a moment to suggest to our fellow participants, there's a little raise your hand button. If you, you want to ask a question, if you want to jump into the conversation, please do that. Or just literally wave your hand as Jacques sort of did as part of his presentation. I, I found it really interesting, Jacques, your use of the word registry, because of course, CIRA, the Canadian Internet Registry Authority, already has that capability. And when I was thinking about our conversation, I was kind of thinking about the role of .ca as a kind of trust, trust metric. That for me as a Canadian, right, when I see a .ca domain, I am more likely to trust it than I would a .com or a .ai, for example. Um, and so do you see a role for CIRA in playing an expanded uh, capacity beyond domain names, but engaging in what you describe as trust registries? Because while you described universities, I was thinking of like medical colleges, of like, you know, CPA and professional, like these institutions exist, but what about the people who are not part of those institutions, who still would benefit from being part of a trust registry? And and Jeanette, I, I see you smiling because you have your hand up. So I, I may have jumped your question. But after uh, uh, Jacques answers, please jump in and follow up. So go ahead, Jacques. I mean, is is Sarah thinking about trust registries as a, an expansion beyond just domain registration as a potential sort of future service? Um. Absolutely. And you know what? It's not zero, a zero decision. It's a Canadian internet community decision. Uh, so when we did the, the work with uh, Digital Identity Lab of Canada, we did the work with DIAC, we did work with Continuum Loop, uh, Northern Block, all those people, we, we actually have and trust over IP. There's a trust registry working group. And there we the outcome is the report that we wrote. There's there's gonna be hundreds, if not thousands of trust registry. There's gonna be one registry of registry for Canada. And then it's not one, it's one or more. There can be many. And naturally the ecosystem came to Syrah and said, this is how we got, that's how I got involved. They said, you know what, Syrah, you should be the, the registry of registry for Canada. And I said, no. I said, you know what, this this is trust. We we, the people in this ecosystem of trust registries need to pick CIRA or a like organization to run the registry of registry, and then if the trust is there, it can be CIRA or somebody else. But the important thing is that it's trusted. There's a governance model for every trust registry that people can trust. But in the end. It's always up to the individual in this world to pick the trust registry they like. If they don't like this one, they can pick another one. There should be many, um, but you live with the consequence of the choice you make. Right on, great answer. Jeanette, you wanted to jump in. Well, I was just hoping we could go a little, like dig a little deeper into what uh, trust registries that were, let's say affiliated with or sponsored by or originate in a much smaller entity might look like because the couple examples that you gave were giant traditional authorities uh, and institutions like universities or government agencies. Um, what would if there's a the, if there's scope here for trust registries coming from really different 
kinds of, uh, not those traditional institutions, what might those look like? Because it seems to me that the ones that are allied with the, the large traditional institutions are borrowing a certain amount of credibility uh, from that just, you know, those institutions have built up over time. Whereas, um, let's say a trust registry is coming out of a relatively smaller and newer entity. How does it, how do, what does it look like in order that it also can have that kind of credibility? So do you have, do you have an example of a, a smaller entity? I mean, uh, you know, I guess conversely, so instead of say a, a university, which would have been, you know, long established and is a huge organization, um, what about something much smaller? Like, um, God, I, I think I'm thinking also more informal. Maybe that's what I'm trying to get at. Does it have yeah. to be a formally incorporated institution in order to underwrite one of these so, registries? Oh, yeah. No. So the example, okay, just quickly, the example I thought of was the local seed exchange group. Perfect. So, you know, we live just outside of Ottawa in a rural community, and there are a whole bunch of people who exchange seeds. And there's a lot of trust in deciding what you plant, whether the seeds are organic, whether they're heritage. But as Jeanette says, it's entirely informal. But I think there is a role for a trust registry because of the, uh, 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 the importance that people place on these seeds, as an example. Sorry, Jacques, go ahead. Oh, so absolutely. Um, that's exactly the purpose of trust registries. The, the, the easiest example is universities, the association of plumbers, uh, electrician, the tradespeople, engineer. You know, those are the big thing. But uh, a trust registry is a trust list. It's a list of things you trust. And there's a governance model with it. And there's also a level of assurance. So that's something we haven't talked about. But trust, there's a level of assurance that you can infer, both technical and human, to make your decision. So if you have your local gardening, like the Ottawa, I forget the name you had, but that for that small group, you could have a trust registry, a list of all the people that are part of that. And then, but... The, the registry needs to have uh, electronic attributes. Either you know, I, I, they could you could have um, websites that you trust, or they need to have some sort of a digital component, digital credential that you can link to the entities that are part of that trust list. But that's the whole point: is if you trust that, you trust those people, and then they can work. You know, they can be. So if you look at, yeah, okay, so in trust over IP, the, the concept is, let's say you have your small group and there's 20 individual in there and you have the credential of the 20 individual. That means from, you could do a voice call, or send a text message or something from one identity to another inside that ecosystem. And you're sure that the receiving end is that identity. You know, there. That's the point of a trust registry: is that the part of the people in there you can trust them because they've been added as a trust list, like a small group. So, I mean, that brings up the issue of accountability. It, it, what components? And Sharita, I, I see your hand up, so I'll throw it to you in a moment. What components are there within this network to revoke trust? 
right? Because I think you just described a great example of how you can transfer trust, how, how you can, you know, recognize trust. But to go back to my point about the fluidity of trust, how easy is it then for the group or even an individual to withdraw that trust in, 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 in the system that you're sort of hypothesizing or describing? So part of the trust registry, there's a governance model. There's a governance entity and they take care of managing that small group. Uh, so that, that that's how they, they would decide how to remove a registration. If it's a re trust registry, there's a list of registrants. They're mm -hmm. members of your community, let's say. The governing entity would have the ability to revoke so it, it, it puts a lot of emphasis on the governance model and, and the way in which that governance, because I, I, I was really pleased when you sort of, when they were saying, oh, yes, we want Syria to be. And you're like, no, 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 not yet. Right. And, and, and the argument I was hearing from you was, you know, we have to build the trust model. We can't just assign it to Syria. If everyone says, yes, Syria, great. But, you know, you, you, you have to actually allow the process to, to work its way through. And, and I think you know, that puts all the emphasis on governance, right? And the way in which you're then making those decisions, which is a tangent I would like to come back to, but Sharita, you, you've got your hand up. So please uh, jump into the conversation. I was going to ask about um, other smaller groups, for instance, um, groups that provide support for chronic illness. Um, where people come because they're very motivated because let's say they're sick. Um, and it's almost their motivation to have information that gets them to participate, whether they trust or not. So when you're talking about registries what about the whole fluid area that comes with online support groups i mean they can pop up they can go away they can pop up and go away even in the time that you're setting up the registry and the governance like so that's a question that i have that's a good question, but I don't know the answer to that yeah. yet. <laughs> <laughs> Those are the best questions. Yeah. We haven't got that far yet. Um, the, the, part of the reason why I asked this is um, some time ago, I did some research on uh, trust and participation in online you know, health groups for people with chronic disease. And um, what my research showed was that um, for many of those people, um, trust was put aside because of the context and because of the desire to have that information. They really needed that information. So they were really, they basically trusted on a wing and a prayer that what they were going to get back wasn't actually going to make them sick. Okay, so the, the setting up the structure of the individual that make up a group, mm -hmm. I, I don't have an answer for that, but trusting the information you get, this is important. Um, 
you know, there's an old saying is trust but verify. Mm -hmm. um, so how do you verify that the information they have is trustable? And that's what it's more our the work we're doing is more around building a frame a framework to make sure the information can be uh, verified versus the ecosystem of the people in the group. So okay. the let's say how do you so trust but verify? How do you verify that the information you get is uh, verifiable? And you need to sign everything. We don't do that today. You know, when you write a letter to someone, you sign it. Mm -hmm. The paper with a sheet of paper, a pencil, you write, you sign it. That means you wrote that thing. And back in the days, there used to be experts that would look at the signature and say if it's authentic or not. Uh, we need to do the same thing for information on the internet, and yet we're not doing that today. Well, Everything and, you see... And, and, and to your point, this kind of opens up the paradox of the conspiracists and the extent to which conspiracy theory is filling that void, because there isn't always a way to, to verify. Although that also raises the question, obviously the conspiracists are rogue actors. They're not going to participate in verification. And then it begs the question as to whether people will put in the effort when they're sick, when they're desperate to verify. Now, David raised his hand, and I know that David is probably going to speak to these very topics. So please, David, jump into the conversation. Oh, yeah, actually, I, I, think, I think I am. Because I was thinking about... I, I, called it the pragmatics of a trust registry and I was thinking like what would that be I, and and it links to what Schroeder was saying and to what Jesse was saying and it, uh, the specific instance that prompted me to think about it was Jordan Peterson the, the horrid psychologist uh, who was um, you know registered if you will in the uh, or Ontario Board of Examiners in Psychology Trust Registry, to use your terms, Jacques. Um, and he um, ignored it and uh, was very public about his ignoring of the registry. And I wondered, what does, what does that do to the trust that the registry had hoped to engender when you were able to get around the... Um, the, uh, the the trust require the, the, the obligations of the registry itself and and one could argue you know contextually that jordan peterson profited and gained in popularity by defying the trust registry of the college and and by being uh, in his own words being a member of it right right it, it was a paradox sorry Jacques, go ahead you're you're getting hard questions here Oh, I don't know about that specific college, George thing. So, I'm sorry. I, I, I'm asking this for my own personal joy. Are you saying you don't know who Jordan Peterson is? Please say yes. I don't know who he is. Thank you. Thank you. There is somebody in this world who doesn't know who Jordan Peterson is. Don't find out who he is. You don't want to know, Shock. Sorry, David. Do you want to do you want to elaborate and make your point? Well, it's sort of like the social psychology of a trust registry. You know, you know, you talked about how to create it, and then in what ways, what threatens it, and how how, how can it remain, how can it sustain its integrity in the context of, in this instance, with Jordan Peterson, a rogue actor. 
to use the term that Jesse had made before, had used before. Yeah, so the, the idea behind trust over IP is to, to build a trusted internet. Building a trusted internet, you have the technology, technical stack, and you have the governance, and you align the governance and the technology together so that when you use, eventually, when you use an application uh, on the internet, that there's the human trust is in there, which means there's governance and technology for everything you do. That's a goal. For, for you to trust something, you need to have both. If you only have technical trust, or if you only have governance, it doesn't do anything, right? Uh, you need to have both working together and in end and ensuring the human on the other side of the application, the system, the interactions. There's a trust task that you can actually trust that it's done properly. So that's the best I can answer your well, question without knowing who George is. <laughs> yeah. And, and, and Jeanette, I, I see you've just raised your hand, so I'll bring you in in a moment. But I, I think, you know, Jacques, you, you said something earlier, which I thought was really interesting, which which gets to your point now about having needing to have both the governance and the technology. And, you know, I, I think we take for granted that we present have a high level of technical literacy. We have a high level of general literacy. How what do you see as the path forward? Uh, both when it comes to the governance side taking technology seriously and the technology side taking governance seriously, you know, how do we create both the literacy and the kind of political cultural conditions in which this trust layer can emerge? Because it, it strikes me on the one hand, there's some public education that has to happen, hence your policy paper, right? To get people thinking about this, some technical education that has to happen, but also some general policy work in terms of people understanding the kind of intersection that, that you take for granted, but that I think a lot of policymakers are still trying to wrap their heads around. So I, I, I offer that as a kind of, you know, where do you see the path forward for you in terms of someone who believes in these ideas and wants to make them happen? And, and then Jeanette, if, if feel free to take us back if, if I've gone on a path that uh, diverges from where you wanted to go. Well, let's fast forward uh, in the future, just a little bit, not too far. Um, so you have um, your phone, you have your mobile device, you have a wallet, and inside your wallet, you have a verified person uh, credential uh, that is issued, let's say, by BC. So British Columbia, they're doing that today. They're issuing a verified person credential, which basically has a name, an address, a picture. Uh, it's been issued with a high level of assurance by the government in the wallet. So. Person A has got that. I have the same credential in the future, verified person for Jacques Lateau, for issued by the Quebec, Quebec government. It's in my wallet. Okay. That, that means you have a thing in your wallet that's unique to you. The other person has it unique in theirs. Quebec, British Columbia. And then you want to call. You want to do a call from one to the other. So you tap your phone. I share public key, public information about me. I exchange that with the other party. And technically, you could do using uh, a mutual authentication protocol. Uh, you could do a, a video call 
between person A and person B using each of the credential that are unique to them, private keys, and you can have establish a tunnel and do uh, a web uh, video call. And then if you're in your wallet, I know this is Jesse, let's say in BC, I know I'm talking to you. You know you're talking to me. You're getting a call from me because my digital credential in my wallet matches what you're expecting. That's in, in the future. This is where this is heading to. If you look at the trust over IP, it, it's all about enabling um, people, things, systems, application to do a mutual authentication session end-to-end. -end. So that's technical, mutual authentication, but it means that if, if one entity has a digital credential, the other one has a digital credential, they're public-private keys, and you can prove that they are who they say they are. Uh, you can't fake it, you know? It's, it's public-private key. So people say, well, that, that's, that's where the trust registries actually come in, is before you exchange the information, there's a credential from British Columbia, there's one from Quebec. How do you know the Quebec government is allowed to issue uh, a verified person to me? How do you know the BC government is allowed to issue a digital credential? Uh, how do I trust them? That's where the registries of registries, trust re registries kick in to, to make sure they're all authentic. And then if you trust the governance and you trust the, the technical issuance, uh, then you can, you can be sure that when you do that Skype call using credential to credential, um, it's authentic. You're actually talking to the other person. Only you can see it. It's private. And that's, that, that's a future. So the use case or whatever the internet does today, you do the same thing, but with a high level of assurance Things you interact with are trusted. Now, to, to go back to my original question, which I'll throw to Jeanette immediately, so be prepared. I totally bought that scenario because you said British Columbia and Quebec. Had you said Ontario, I would have said, no way, that's never going to happen. But I digress. Jeanette, please. I just actually wanted to go back to uh, what David said, because it seems to me these are really ancient problems. Uh, we're talking about a digital iteration of this problem. But of course, as David pointed out, professional colleges is a great example of an institution that's wrestled for centuries with um, how do we validate that our members are who they say they are and are worthy of trust? You know, how can we uh, effectively convey that and at the same time police the bad actors who are the fraudsters who are going to try and assume that identity. I mean, you have the same concept with art dealing, right? Of provenance, which to me is just like an analog ver version of blockchain, essentially. It's just a long registry of transactions. This painting was owned by this person, then it went here, et cetera, et cetera. So all of these solutions, you know, have their sort of their non-digital versions, but it seems to be a lot of the problems that plagued those solutions are are going to just follow us right into the digital world. And I, I think it's interesting that the protocol you're describing is essentially stripping out anonymity. So, 
you know, I know that I'm talking to Jesse and he knows he's talking to me and therefore we can trust each other. But of course, anonymity does have its place on the internet, right? And so now I start worrying about, well, what about people who cannot, like the, it's, it's, it, it risks their lives if they are using some kind of official identity, which makes them trackable and traceable. Uh, it, it, these people are very disincentivized to participate in a trust registry, I would imagine. Um, unless we're talking, you know, about what you mentioned, which is the idea of just a very small internal group. Um, it, the minute we start talking about these larger official registries, I do wonder um, how that's going to work. And of course, the other thing that's plagued the, the two analog methods I moved before is everyone always finds a way to fake their identity. So I, there is part of me that wonders, how is this going to be different? Tough so, questions. Sorry. Yeah. No, they're great. So part of the trust over IP, if you look at it, there, there's a the, the idea is self-sovereign, self-sovereign digital identity, SSI. Um, they wrote a book. It's all about a non-decentralization of credentials, the decentralization of issuers. So uh, it's about the whole, the foundation of all this is to put everything in in blockchain and trying to be as anonymous as possible. It works for the, the use case you gave that there's a lot of this is based on anom making sure two parties can talk anonymously and trusted that they're, that it's the right entity. So the credential you create can, can be one-time use anonymous credential to log into a website. You do your thing, you're done, and it's never used again. Or if you want to, if we, you know, if I use an anonymous credential to talk to Jesse, he won't know it's me. You know, I need to use me and him. We talk, we know we're each other. There's different protocol, but the the framework is meant to have, to be decentralized, decoupled from the large uh, identity management solution providers. You know, no, no tracking, no Google tracking, none of that. So a lot of the foundation is to put uh, the user in control of their identity to make it known when it needs to be known, to make it anonymous when it needs to be anonymous. And um, yeah, so th that's a foundation of the, the credential. If you look at Trust over IP, there's with the uh, W3C forum, there's lots of information relative to how that is meant to work in this world. Now, Merle, you got your hand up. You want to jump in? Yeah, I'm just I'm thinking about um, this idea of the registry, and again, coming back to um, like how it sounds like a lot of these are run by large institutions. We talked a bit about how a smaller group might run something like their own trust registry, but I think in any case, there's always going to be someone who doesn't want to be on a list. Uh, doesn't want to join the registry of a government or some other governing body. And so does that exclude them from being able to communicate with someone who's on the registry? 
if I don't want to be on any registries, does that mean I can't communicate with anyone because everyone else is on them and that's the only way to okay. communicate? So I have to be clear, um, individuals are not on trust registries. Individual credential. A trust registry uh, is a, it's a list of issuers. Quebec government, they issue driver's license. They're listed here. Uh, University of Ottawa, they issue diplomas. They're listed in the registry. Like my diploma is not in a trust registry. The issuer, but so the way it works is, let's say Ottawa U, they issue a certificate to Jesse and he's got a digital copy in his wallet. It's signed by Ottawa U. Maybe I got different university, but um, then there's a digital signature that says this is issued by Ottawa U and there's a signature. The trust registry, all it does is it makes sure that Canadian universities, Ottawa U certificate matches the one in Jesse's wallet. You can prove it's authentic. There's no individual in trust registries. Um, so if you have a wallet and you have a credential, uh, you want to use to interact with, to do a trust task with somebody on the internet to do a call, email or whatever, your credential, they don't need to be verifiable to a trust registry, you know? But you know, in your, the, the whole point of this is in your wallet, you have a credential. It's basically public, public private key. It's unique to you. And you can use that to do stuff on the internet without any trust registries. If somebody on the other end gets a connection from you and they trust you, you don't need a trust registry. But if you're presenting somebody uh, a proof of age that you're more than 18, they got to go somewhere to see, you know, is I can create my own credential in my wallet to say I'm 97, you know, and I want to get retirement money and all that stuff. So it needs to be verifiable. And that's where the trust registry come in. If you want to do stuff on your own, you got your application, you got your credential, you can do whatever you want. If other people trust you, that's fine. It's when a notary document needs to be validated, a driver's license, um, you know, things that need to be, if you're in Japan and you present them your driver's license, they need to find a way to come back to Canada and make sure it's from Ontario and it's legit. That's what that, that doesn't exist. Right. In terms of, uh, let's say you have a trust registry with all the media companies in Canada. So CBC, Globe and Mail, and you have all their digital credential for the news they publish. And if they were to sign the, the, all the document they write, all the news media, they're signed by their entity and can verify in a trust registry that it's, it, it's authentic. The document has not been tampered with everything is good, then you can actually in your browser automatically show what content can be verified and not verifiable. And that's where the discussion earlier on people the, trusting the content, that, that's a use case. And, and this is why I, I sort of, you know, deliberately but coyly threw Ontario under the bus, because what you're describing is inherently political. Right. There, there is a technical side to what we're describing, but it does require a political will 
uh, as well as my point, a political literacy amongst policymakers to actually decide that they want to implement those systems. That political will exists in the current Quebec government. It exists in the current British Columbian government. It does not exist in the Doug Ford government. Um, and, and this is why I, I kind of wonder as to how these systems are going to come into place without there being some larger uh, multi-partisan effort to create these types of infrastructure without them being entirely politicized or even weaponized the way that, for example, the federal conservatives are blaming inflation on the federal government, which is not verifiable but is something that is going to dramatically influence the next federal election. Now, Jeanette, you, you have your hand raised, so I want to bring you in. But Rob, you've also been a great uh, uh, reaction. You've been giving us all sorts of nods. So I'm warning you ahead of time. I'm going to bring you into the conversation because I know you have much to contribute. But Jeanette, please, uh, it's your turn. I'm just wondering to if if it's organizations that are on the trust registry, it seems obvious to me that uh, institutions that already have a lot of power are not going to have any trouble getting on that registry. University of Ottawa is not going to struggle to get on that registry necessarily. But what about a, how does this like how does my organization get on that registry? What hoops do I have to jump through? Is it the same kind of process as trying to get accreditation for issuing, let's say, credits for my school? And to what degree is this just shoring up again the institutional power of big institutions that are right now losing trust, frankly? Um, oh, okay. So I need to clarify one thing. Uh, maybe that's going to help. The it's not one trust registry. There's okay. going to be the, the 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 purpose of the the goal of trust registries that they're decentralized. That all the digital identity ecosystem, all the digital ecosystem, they own their trust registry, they manage their trust registry, they operate their trust registry, and they're in control of it. So if you have a small group, digital ecosystem, like for Ontario, East Ontario farmers or West, East, yeah, East Ontario farmer, I'm just, there's 50 farmers, you can have your trust registry, they're all listed in there, they manage their own thing, and that's that. That's the end of it. They can be, they can ask to be registered in a that trust registry to be part of the registry of registry for Canada, or any other trust registry. That the decentralization is the key component here. Well, and so, and to to prove Jacques' point, the Echopunks could be a registry in the sense that when we invite a guest to join the Echopunks, we could then say all of the people that you'll be speaking to are members of our trust registry because we, the Echopunks, trust them. Whether you trust the Echopunks or not, that's up to you. But if you do trust the Echopunks, we then have a registry that tells you these are the trusted Echopunks, that if you trust us, you can trust them. Is that correct, Chuck? Yes, something like that. Yes, right that's on. that's the framework. The decentralization is important. You want so there's there's not one trust registry. You can have multiple trust registries, registries of registries for Canada, for the world. It doesn't matter. It's 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 all based on who do I trust. 
you know, if you don't trust certain groups and don't trust their trust registry, right? Trust something else. That that's the the point. Is there's no there's no root trust anchor in this. Well, to that you, point, you make are, it what you want. Go ahead, are, Merle. Are we assuming that all trust registries are acting in good faith and cooperating, or is there room for competition and competing levels of trust between registries? And how does one choose? And how does that affect the trust that one person has for someone with, you know, a different trust registry? Those are all good questions. We're going to learn over time. I'm pretty sure there's going to be bad actors, trust registries. There's going to be all the... The QAnon um, trust registry. Yeah, and this is, you know, this... Go there to get all your misinformation, you know, so whatever. It, it, today, there's no framework for trust. And what we're proposing is it's pretty ambitious. And technically, it's, it, it's working. If you look at uh, in BC, they have a towards sustainable mining. That's a program from Mining Association of Canada. Uh, if you Google a little bit, you'll find they have a governance framework uh, document for their trust registry. They, they, they've defined what the governance is, how they work, who the members are, and it's building. They, they, they have the governance. They have a, a list of entities they trust in their ecosystem. Um, there's, there's also a life cycle I think, or an evolution is the right word. There's going to be an evolution uh, for trust registries. There's what we have in a document, you know, it tracks a lot of information. But I think the first phase of evolution is we're going to have what we need are trust lists. Just a list of things, East, East Ontario farmers, here's all the entities that are trusted. And then you can, it's like the yellow page, you know. We need a yellow page of that you trust with trust registries, and I think it's going to evolve over time, because not everybody's issuing digital credentials today. You know, you don't issue a digital uh, passport or you know the the driver's license or certificate. Um, it takes a little bit to get there, but if well, we, had, I, I, I'll push we, back. I would say that we do. They're just not verifiable because I think the credentials we issue are email addresses, our domain names. Domain yeah. names can be verified. Email addresses on a domain name often not. And I think what you're rightly proposing is that verification layer that allows people to check that. Now, I, I'm conscious that we're almost out of time. And, and Rob, I, I wanted to give you a chance to jump into the conversation only because from your facial expressions, I know that you've been somewhat enjoying it. Is there anything that you want to add? Any questions, any comments, any observations as we wind to the end? I want to uh, make sure you get your chance to participate. Thank you, generous of you, Jesse. Um, I'm, I'm concerned about the governance and, and potential abuse of power, which you're aiming to to help with here. Um, my homework is to go back and read the paper more thoroughly. Um, I think about, for example, on the, on the heels of Sharita's concerns that um, it can be a group, any group, any online tribe group of people uh, who've driven out of desperation for their caregivers of children with uh, rare diseases, for example, and whatnot, who have joined online communities, um, sites that uh, look to be, you know, self-help uh, resources, but they're really 
facades, their, their pharma marketing uh, fronts to manipulate, uh, to massage, gather information, and maybe even nudge them towards, ask your physician about this 16 syllable. Um, yeah, uh, a, a very potent um, example. Go ahead. But back to, um, it's, it's me, a confusion is, is good here because confusion is learning, but um, I would like to come more to grips with this and understand a little more about how governance can manage the registrants, uh, how they can revoke them, who can make the request to revoke or what flags can go up in this regard. Um, and maybe the question is wrong. So. Yep. Well, and and before Jeff, just because we're out of time, before you try to answer that, I'm going to bring David in because David also has his hand up. So, David, uh, any any final thoughts, questions? Well, I like the ideas that Jacques is uh, presenting to us. Um, the idea of trust registry that it, but the 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 terminology um, needs to be managed, perhaps, because it's not creating a a trusted internet, because. Uh, but rather uh, uh, creating, optimizing trust within the internet. So it's a within the internet, not a trusted internet. The internet is invariably going to be untrustworthy, but within that internet, the registry enables a level of trust that may not exist um, uh, presently. I like your idea, Jacques. Yeah, thank you. Cool. Go ahead, Jacques. Any final thoughts, comments, responses to all the many crazy things that have been raised today? Yeah, so I'll um, I'll answer the, the the question about the ecosystem. So today, I'll call it's kind of a free for all when somebody creates an account somewhere and they pretend to be someone. Um, that's because there's no no framework in place to do that. The idea behind the Trust registry is if I create, if I want to create an account for me, Jacques Lato, in this uh, application, and the govern the, the framework, the governance model for the the website is, you know what, um, we need to verify that you are, you say who you are, and then this is when, as part of the creation process, I can log in, and then the, the issuer, the the website says, prove to me you're Jacques Lato. Then I go in my wallet. I pull out my Quebec verified person credential from the government. I share, I don't share the credential with the application. I share a claim that says I'm Jacques Lato, and it's issued by the Quebec government. I share a claim that I'm using a wallet that's approved by the Quebec government because you need to have, it can be, uh, you know, it's got the proper biometrics to make sure my face matches my, my account. That provides a level of assurance that the account I'm creating is Jacques Lato. It's me. And that's the thing we can't do today. So you know the entity on the other end is who they say they are. And it's hard to fake. You know, It, it brings the level of assurance, the level of trust uh, to make sure the account being created is authentic. But in back end, there's all the trust registries to make sure Quebec government is valid. The web, I need, you know, as a user, I want to make sure the website I'm connecting to is the right one. It needs to be registered somewhere that I can trust that if this is whatever, I can't say Facebook, but I don't like them, but something else, 
you know, it's a, it's a social application, you know, that it's trusted somewhere. I can verify it is who they say they are. You verify it's me. Trust registry enable all the in the back should be seamless that you can actually, as a human, trust me logging to that website. Right on. Well, thank you very much. I think this has been uh, quite a sprawling uh, conversation when it comes to trust in the internet. I think what's most exciting uh, uh, about the idea and the paper is that it's forward looking. It's that you're trying to anticipate both what we need, but also what we can do to anticipate not only, I think, the problems we're facing now, but the problems that we will be facing uh, in the months to come. So thank you all uh, for those listening. Uh, this has been an episode of Echopunks. We thank Jacques uh, for participating. We thank Sarah, the Canadian Internet Registry Authority, for paying Jacques uh, to have these ideas and think about this stuff and be so generous with your time. And thank you all for joining us uh tune in next time when we'll discuss issues of trust uh of the internet of authority so again thanks everybody and uh we'll talk to you soon bye-bye thank you bye-bye